side I'm Tamara Keith and I am in Union Square San Francisco doing some holiday shopping with uh, B-Side's Erica Kelly hello there and that was just a trolley car filled with little girls singing Christmas carols that came by it is definitely definitely Christmas here in Union Square and we're walking up on a booth here that says hot chestnuts we don't know if the people selling the chestnuts will talk to us, but we hope they will. <laughs> Have you ever had a chestnut? No, I know. No. I had one years ago. It was pretty good, but I, it's been a long time. We might have to buy some. I think that might be a good idea. So um, so how much are the chestnuts? There are six for $3. All right, we can do that. So have you ever, do you eat chestnuts? Yeah, I like them. Really? Um, what do they taste like? I think they taste like a sweet potato. And how are you supposed to eat them, or how, how does this work? Well, um, we score them at the beginning before we cook them. Then we get the fire really hot. We cook them for about 15 minutes and just crack it and peel it and eat the inside. Fantastic. Not all sweet, so you don't need to put anything on it. Okay. Thank you. Thank Here you, you go. So this is sort of like a uh, quintessential holiday food, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. We're bringing it to San Francisco. It's usually a New York or Paris thing, but trying to have it here for a while. People, people actually like eating them or they just like they know it from like songs and stuff? Uh, a little bit of both I think, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to try one? Yeah, absolutely. They're really tasty. They are, she's right. It's like, it's very sweet. Kind of. A little mushy. Oh, it's like a really big soft nut. There it is. The chestnuts. Hmm. It's even cold enough that it's steaming. Do you like it? Yeah, actually. Speaking of quintessential holiday foods, there's one food that everyone thinks of when they think of Hanukkah. Yeah, we know Hanukkah's passed already, listeners. We know. But it's not too late to hear about how to make deep-fried potato pancakes that is latkes the right way. Tamara recently learned how to make latkes from her mother-in-law. When I was converting to Judaism, my rabbi strongly recommended that I buy some cookbooks. It seems part of learning to be Jewish is learning to cook Jewish foods. My first introduction to latkes was through my boyfriend Ira when we met in college. The potato pancakes Ira's mom Andrea and sister Shannon made were terrific, crispy and warm, dunked in applesauce for that perfect combination of grease and fruit. I asked for the recipe, and Andrea photocopied a page from a paperback cookbook called Love and Knishes. The next year at Hanukkah, I followed the recipe exactly, but the latkes came out all wrong, like over-crisp hash browns. Failure after failure led me to Manischewitz instant latkes, just add eggs, defeat in a box. Ira and I are married now, so it finally seemed okay to go back to my now-mother-in-law and ask her what I had been doing wrong. The first step is easy, peeling the potatoes. So then what comes next? Next, we have to grate the potatoes the proper amount of smoothness and roughness. They have to be smoother than hash browns, but we don't want them to be completely mushy. Which none of this is actually in the recipe. 
the, the whole consistency no, no, thing. This, this is the magic of Jewish tradition and family tradition. So clearly following the recipe all those years was just setting me up for substandard latkes. Next come the onions, which Shannon and Andrea can't seem to agree on. Put in about one onion for every two to three potatoes, so... No. What about every four to five potatoes? Okay, we'll have an argument over how many onions per potato, so it has to be done by eye, and we'll just look at them. Andrea and I add eggs and the dry ingredients. I just have to... Yeah, that looks like it's mixed about the right amount, which is mix well, however well well is. As we cook, Shannon and Andrea keep referring to them as Poppy's latkes. Really, the recipe they're following isn't the one in the book, but the one they watched Poppy make year after year. He was Andrea's grandfather. My mother was brought up with Poppy being the cook. Things that he made and the way that he made it were the things that my mother learned and the things that she passed down to me and the things that I've passed down to my daughter. Next, we take a blob of the potato mixture and put it in the frying pan, loaded with oil. That's another one of their secrets. Looks like you're doing a fine job. After several minutes of frying and flipping, the latkes are done. We put them on a plate with a paper towel to sop up some of the oil. And it's usually while they're sitting out there on the paper towel, getting the grease drained out of them, that they start to magically disappear. There's no resentment there at all. (laughs) It's just part of the tradition. And right on cue, my husband Ira appears in the kitchen and grabs a fresh latke from the plate. How is it? Hot. (laughs) (laughs) And now I, too, can make Poppy's latkes. No recipe needed. That was B-Sides Tamara Keith, and I'm Erica Kelly. We're standing here in San Francisco's Union Square. Yes, and we are underneath. We are in the shadow of a gigantic Christmas tree. It's so big it's being held up by wires on all sides, and apparently this year it has very environmentally friendly LED lights as well. Well, we are in California after all. But Ethan Lindsay found his Christmas tree in Oregon. Yes, he did. And, you know, for all we know, this giant tree here could have come from Oregon, too, because Oregon is the nation's leading exporter of Christmas trees. There are tree farms all over that state. Uh, But besides Ethan Lindsay, he didn't want to go the farm route. Recording it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. (laughs) We we can stop at Starbucks. I'm just kidding. Do you want to stop? There's the coffee place right on the way. The Starbucks addict there is my girlfriend, Britt Tobin, and she and I decided we wanted to go hardcore this year in finding our Christmas tree. So I grabbed the tape recorder, we left the house, jumped in my Subaru, and we were on our way. Driving around rural Oregon, the parking lot tree sellers are just as depressing as they are in big cities. So this year, Britt and I, we bought a permit to chop down a Christmas tree from National Forest Land. For five bucks, you get a fluorescent orange tag that you hang on your tree once you chop it down. There are a couple of rules. No trees taller than 12 feet, and that makes sense. You don't want to chop down a scenic tree. And you don't want to chop down a tree within 100 yards of a freeway or a river or a campsite. But really, it it was a free-for-all. How about right here? All right, eh? 
Let's go get our saw and chop down a tree. So after a quick 20-minute drive to what seemed like a promising section of remote forest land, Britt and I pulled over and started hunting for that tree. But when I hauled out the microphone and tape recorder, yeah, Britt, Britt was not playing along. Testing, testing, testing. Describe what you're seeing right now. What does it look like out here? Well, there's a beautiful snow cover. No, don't be dorky about it. <laughs> what does it look like? If, you're, if you're, your dad calls you up and goes, what, what were you doing? I should explain. I live in Bend, which is one of these places that always appears on the Outside Magazine best of lists. But I'm not the most outdoorsy of people. I camp, I ski, I bike. But I don't normally walk around the backcountry cutting down trees. In fact, when I walked into Home Depot, I asked the guy whether I should buy a hacksaw or a hatchet to chop down the tree. And he replied, neither. Then he laughed at me, and he recommended that I go look and buy a tree saw. Makes sense, I guess. I don't want a big one. Is that, I, like, I mean, I don't want a small one, but... See, this def- we're definitely in, we're in uh, some solid tree hunting territory, though, now. Yeah, the, the, the fun thing about this is that once you get the saw, it's actually really easy. You walk around with a cup of coffee in the snow and look for a nice-looking, medium-sized tree. Britt and I found ours pretty quickly. That one. Oh, the one way back. Yeah. The one with no tr- snow on it, right? Real quick. Hurry. Yeah. Before someone else steals our tree. Maybe those pine cones. Great decorations. Okay. Let's get our knife out. Our knife. If we had a knife, we'd be kind of screwed. Also, another thing, chopping down a small little Christmas tree, kind of anticlimactic. Ah! It's going to fall on me. Chopping the whole thing down took less than two minutes. And with that, we picked up the tree and carried it all the way back to the car. You know, thinking about it, the most difficult part of the whole experience was probably driving home with a tree roped to the top of the Subaru. So to spice up the experience... I convinced Britt to sing a favorite Christmas carol to all you listeners out there in Radioland. But that was sort of anticlimactic as well. Oh, we're running out of batteries. Well, say goodbye to the people. Bye. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. To check out pictures of Ethan, Britt, their tree, and the Subaru, please visit our website, it's bsideradio.org, the letter B-S-I-D-E radio.org. I'm Tamara Keith, and I'm here in San Francisco Union Square with Erica Kelly. And I think I see some bell ringers over there. Yes, let's go chase after them. <laughs> so do you uh, have to practice this? Do you, do you work on rhythms and stuff, like if you're doing it all day? I do, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I do too. I love doing my own thing. Yeah. So, um, tell us your names. Ella. Christina. And uh, this is Erica, and I'm Tamara. Hello. Hi. So your apron here says you're a bell ringer. Yes. So what what are you doing? Um, I'm basically collecting money for the Salvation Army. We're going to open up a detox center. And how's the bell ringing business going these days? It's going okay. It's going lovely. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it goes okay, but, you know, 
sometimes better than others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do people say when they put money in, in the bucket? They should be saying, God bless you. Keep on doing what you're doing. I'm like, okay. You know, that makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. So most, most people are pretty good-natured? Oh, yes. yeah. Very giving. Yeah. Very giving. That time of year. Yeah. We have a story on this show about, um, have you heard of this program where where kids send San Dear Santa letters mm -hmm. to the post office? Well, they end up at the post office because, um, well, they end up at the post office. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we won't say why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they don't make it all the way to Santa sometimes. Um. And so then the post office gives the letters to kind people who want to fulfill those wishes for the kids. Mm. Have, you, have you ever heard of this? Um, I've heard of it. I've heard of it, yes. So, so the story that we have, it's uh, produced by someone named Scott Gurian. And his dad played Santa last year. Um, but it didn't quite turn out the way he expected. Christmas time doesn't really mean much to my dad. He lives alone, most of his family is out of state, and anyway, he's Jewish. So a few years ago, he got to thinking. Even though Christmas isn't my holiday per se, rather than just sit around and do nothing, I might as well give back and do some good for people that would like to celebrate it, but they don't have the means to celebrate it. So he started volunteering at a soup kitchen. He collected donations of winter clothing from his neighbors to give out to the homeless. And the other thing I do is I go to the post office. They always have letters for Santa Claus, and people can answer them if they want. I pick out the ones that are really the saddest, kids that are writing letters, and they're asking for clothes, they're asking for shoes, and they say, and Santa, if you have anything left in your bag, can you maybe get me... A shirt. My dad usually takes about a dozen or so letters, passes a bunch out to his friends, and keeps a few for himself. Last year, he answered three from kids in the Bronx. I went to like a discount store, and I try to comply with most of the things on the list. I went to uh, FedEx. I shipped it, and uh, for whatever reason, I put my cell phone number in there. Not so much to get a thank you, but just because I wanted to know, I guess, that the packages got there. Did you write Santa Claus on the return address? Uh, yes, I did. And so you, you shipped it off, and did you kind of think that would be the end of it? I kind of did, yeah. It wasn't long before the call started rolling in. 4.43 p.m. Hello? This is Rosicela. Thank you, I love you. Thank you for the presents you gave me. I love you. Bye. Do you remember how you felt when you, you first started getting these voicemails? Yeah, I thought that was really nice. It made me feel good that they were happy. But it didn't stop there. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> it was kind of funny in a way. It went from um, thank you to kind of almost desperate, menacing phone calls, and the calls were getting more and more frequent. Can I have a few presents because my mother is broke and I have no presents? Thank you. I love you. Bye. Even though you didn't get me no presents, I still love you. Bye, Santa. What are your thoughts hearing this again now? I think they were bringing some of the kids in from outside from the neighborhood because they heard that Santa Claus came. Was there a point where you started to regret, you know, what you had intended as a charitable act? 
uh, I think at some point I regretted putting my phone number down because this one kid was getting more aggressive and more ferocious. I was getting calls like every half hour, every hour. Santa! Santa! Come on, Santa! Were you purposely avoiding their calls? Absolutely. I wasn't going to pick up. Why? I, I, I think I would have encouraged them more if they would have called. Then they would have asked for many more presents. And after all, Santa Claus only delivers at night. Uh, the kids are not supposed to speak directly to Santa Claus. In my, well, at least when I grew up. Did this whole experience make you feel any different about being charitable? Well, while there might be some people that could be scamming Santa Claus, you do it with the idea that hopefully the majority of the people that write these letters are legit and honest, and that's the best way to approach it. Bye, Randy Huria. I'm Santa Claus. My dad's decided to play Santa again this year. Last I spoke to him, he had picked three kids' names and was just heading out the door, trying to decide what to get. That was B-side Scott Gurian with his dad, Randy Gurian, a.k.a. Santa. And that was Erica Kelly. I'm Tamara Keith, and this is B-side Radio. We are standing on a street corner right at San Francisco's Union Square, which has to be, like, the most popular place in the universe to shop for Christmas, I think. At least least on this coast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, on this coast. So, Erica, have you been doing a lot of Christmas shopping? Well, I've been doing a little bit of shopping. But it's been it's been a really hard year with all the toy recalls. So I've had a really hard time trying to decide what to give to my son Alex. Yeah, it's a little bit of a minefield out there. And Erica actually did something completely different, something that I probably would not have thought of to deal with the uh, possibilities of lead in toys. And this is the story. So I kept hearing over and over again, recall, recall. And the first one that hit us was... Thomas the Train, and then there was Silly Parts Talking Elmo. (laughs) So the more I heard about these recalls, the angrier I got. But then I had to admit it that really I was part of the problem. I love buying toys for Alex, and so I was really the one who was filling his toy box with all this junk. But this Christmas I decided I had to do something different, so I decided to make him a toy. But I'm not really a crafty type, So to make a gift that wouldn't be sent off to the Island of Misfit Toys, I needed some help. So I'm Craig Colvin, and I'm the owner of the Sawdust Shop. Craig is a very patient teacher. His Sawdust Shop is a do-it-yourself wood shop, and he caters to expert woodworkers and complete beginners like me. When I arrive, he shows me a wall of toys that I can make. It includes baby cradles, a bug collecting box, games, and right up Alex's alley, lots of things with wheels. We have a a crayon truck, which is a truck that uh, you can actually stick crayons in the back standing upright. So we're talking to a two-year-old and a novice woodworker. (laughs) Um, I like the idea of a truck. Would the crayon truck be too much to to take on? not at all. The woodshop smells like that classic sawdust smell, sort of sweet and burnt. 
So we head to a box of wood scraps and pick out a rough pine 2x4, and Craig shows me how to measure it and mark it, and then we move on to the table saw. This is a new table saw on the market called the Saw Stop. It detects contact with human skin and will stop the blade before it can cut you. That's really good news. <laughs> it is, especially in a shop like this where we have lots of people using the saw with all experience levels. We feel confident in letting anybody use this saw because they can't get cut on it. Have you ever tested that out? Uh, we do test that out. We use hot dogs to test it as opposed to our fingers. So the hot dog comes away unscathed? Uh, it, it has a slight nick in it. You'd need a Band-Aid, no stitches. And just like that, and just feed it right through. So I become really good at the drill press after a while. I have to drill one hole after the other for the crayons and the wheel axles. And then I have to drill this giant hole for the truck's window. And things kind of fall apart there. There we go. Oh, big chunk came off. <laughs> oh no. So we can glue that back in. Okay. If we can find the other piece. The other thing we can do is we can make our whole truck a little narrower. Okay. We'll just sand it all down right even with that. That's, that's part of being an uh, experienced woodworker is how to cover up your mistakes. <laughs> Every woodworker makes mistakes because the good ones that cover them up. So maybe I'm not exactly elf material, but after a little while I get the hang of all the tools. I use the bandsaw, the router, the electric sander, and slowly my 2x4 is transformed into a real live toy. It's this really cute, plain, kind of homely little truck. And I have no idea whether Alex will care one bit about it or if it'll be lost under the Christmas tree. It's really hard to compete with toys like Thomas the Train with their multimedia empires. They've got videos, websites, we've been to live concerts. But at least I know my truck won't be recalled because it's covered in lead or some other neurotoxin. Splinters, though, that may be a problem. That was B-Sides, Erica Kelly. I'm Tamara Keith, and uh, that ho-ho-hoing you hear is uh, like 50 people in various levels of dress sort of looking kind of like Santas. I I think this is what they call SantaCon. We're here in Union Square, San Francisco, and it's a little wild. (laughs) There are some Santas in some very short skirts and very tall boots. And there are some very drunk Santas also. There's a security guard wandering around asking who's in charge of this, talking very seriously into a walkie-talkie. One girl told him it was Santa who was in charge. Clearly no one is in charge here. Can I give you a candy cane? Sure. Oh, this one's broken. Let me find a good one for you. Okay, all my candy canes are broken, but this one's Everlasting Gobstopper, and I only save that for the people I like the most. Wow, this that is exciting. So, so it's a special Christmas present. So can you tell me your name? Uh, Santa, of course. What brought you out here Well, today? it's Christmas time. And apparently a lot of other people showed up today, too. This was a surprise. I didn't know they were coming out here. So does it upset you to see all of these imposter Santas around? Well, the fact that they're copying me... And wearing Santa suits. 
This is tremendous. It's a fantastic spirit. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Santa is like the ultimate embodiment of the consumerism that is Christmas. And besides Renee Gattel figured out a way to work that consumerism to her advantage. John is my husband, and this story is about his Christmas present. So, John, if you're listening, turn off the radio. Do not listen to this story. Okay, he loves anything electronic, so I bought him this year a Kindle. It's an electronic book that Amazon.com makes, and it can hold up to 200 books. It is the hot, must-have gadget this Christmas. They cost $400. I ordered one back in mid-November, and it arrived the first week of December. I'm whispering because I don't want John to hear me. UPS just delivered the box. And there it is. It was absolutely perfect. And I was so excited until one day I was online reading the news and checking the blogs. And I saw that Amazon had sold out of Kindles and that they had no more available through Christmas. Uh, my, my first thought, and, and this tells you how twisted I am, is eBay. That's when I found out that they were selling on eBay at a markup of hundreds of dollars. Amazon Kindle, brand new inbox. Bidding is at $910. Turns out scalping holiday presents isn't that uncommon. There are Kindles, Nintendo Wiis, and the video games Guitar Hero 3 and Rock Band, all selling on eBay right now at ludicrously high prices. There's even a website out there that will give you tips on how to get the most money for your much-sought-after item. So when I saw people selling Kindles on eBay, I went into an ethical tailspin. Is it evil to to sell your husband's Christmas gift for a huge profit? Every night after John went to sleep, I'd log on to eBay and and check the latest prices. Uh, Let's look at the recently ended auctions. $799, $999, $895. I know I must sound like a greedy bastard. Frankly, I think you're an absolute genius. I pay him to say things like that. That's Rob Ducey. He's my financial advisor. He didn't think it was unethical at all to sell John's Kindle. Actually, he thought it was the right thing to do. I think John would be just as impressed that you did something like that based on arbitrage and that you would sell it, get double the money back, pocket half of it, and go out in a month or two and buy another one. He said what I had done was turned a $400 investment into $1,000. I don't know if I could do that in about a three-week time frame with my, with my job. I can't guarantee those results. So with the blessing of my financial planner, I went home and uh, went back online. List your item for sale. Amazon Kindle. I listed the Kindle, brand new, still in shrink wrap. Congratulations, your item is listed for sale. There we go. I can't look back. No regrets. I gave it a buy now price of $1,000, and it sold three hours later. The best part is that I've been able to keep this entire misadventure from, from my husband. He has no idea at all what he's getting for Christmas, although he knows that I'm scheming. I think Renee is getting me the ultimate white elephant gift. I have no idea. All the hype around this gift is, is, is a gift in itself. Um, it's amazing. So if you see him, please, please, please keep this a secret. He's getting a Kindle in January and an extra 600 bucks to boot. For B-Side, I'm Renee Gattel. I'm your present. Mm-hmm.
Japanese toys I'm your sugar plum You little drummer boy And that's it for B-Side. Santa, can you help me do the credits for our show? Absolutely. Okay, so we need to thank all of these people in the list here. Well, we'd like to thank, starting with Erica Kelly, who did a tremendous job on this whole uh, segment. Victoria... Malion. Malion. Uh, Seal Muller. You got it. Right on. Ethan Lindsay. Uh, Scott... Gurian. Gurian. Scott's last name. There's a lot of, lot of letters in that last name there to pick up on. Uh, Renee Gutel. You got there you it. have it. And Susie... Racho. Racho. Thank you so much. Anytime. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 indeed. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn more about us, see pictures of Santa and I and Erica and Christmas trees and all of these things, visit www.bsideradio.org. That's the letter B-S-I-D-E radio.org. Hey, ho, 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 ho.